Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. We've got a lot coming up on the program. Rachel Bittekofer will be with us talking about the Ron DeSantis death cult. This should be interesting. She's talking lawsuit. I find it fascinating. Plus, I want to talk with her about Democratic Party messaging in, in red states authoritarians, what they love to buy and use, and these two buckets in which you can put different kinds of government. And I'll get to that in just a moment. President Biden just came out and gave a talk, a short speech about the economy. The main thrust of his talk was to you know, reassure people and say, you know, inflation isn't going nuts. The pandemic is principally among the unvaccinated, and so no need to freak out hysterically. But It sure seems to me that the Republican effort to essentially cause Americans to commit suicide, which is really what they're encouraging, is working. I mean, this reminds me of the Japanese in World War II. You had the kamikaze bombers who who would fly their planes right onto the decks of aircraft carriers to crash the plane and blow up the aircraft carrier and go out in a blaze of glory because dear leader told them to you know, Tojo. It sure seems to me like something very similar is going on where dear leader is, you know, from Donald Trump to Tucker Carlson to all the other, you know, right wing talking heads that we know of. The guy at CPAC who said, oh, they thought they could get 90 percent of people vaccinated. (laughs) They missed that. In an effort to damage the Biden administration and to damage our economy in advance of the 2022 election. And I wrote about this last week. But now it's like just coming true. I believe that the Republicans are literally encouraging people to commit suicide. They're encouraging them not to be vaccinated at the same moment that a far more highly contagious and apparently more deadly strain, particularly for younger people of this COVID, is starting to sweep the country. Which brings me to my riff on autocracy and democracy, which was the the piece I pushed out on uh, HartmanReport.com. Ted Cruz is now comparing Donald Trump and the idea that people within the administration are trying to encourage people to get vaccinated. He's compared that to Nazi stormtroopers. I mean, just let that sink in for a moment. 
the Nazi stormtroopers who murdered millions of people, who terrorized their own country, who worked on behalf of their own version of the former guy, that that's the same as trying to get people vaccinated? Why would Ted Cruz say this? In my opinion, it's because he doesn't believe in, like, or want democracy. In Texas, his colleagues in the Texas legislatures, in the, in the Texas House and Senate, have proposed legislation to ban any mention in their school books for their children of Susan B. Anthony, the woman's rights advocate and activist who died before the 20th Amendment was passed, but Susan B. Anthony, Cesar Chavez, the United Farm Workers Union, and the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We're going to ban all of them. The thing that is problematic about this is that Texas is the largest single purchaser of school books in the country where the content of the school books is vetted statewide. And so Texas, what Texas demands is in school books or isn't in school books is what you will find in school books in every other state because Texas is, you know, is, is pushing this. What is Ted Cruz all about? What are these Republicans all about? You know, there's all these words that are being thrown around right now. Democracy, republic, fascist, socialist, communist, theocrat, oligarch, white supremacist, liberal, conservative, autocracy. And there's dozens of other words, too. And people, I think, are just overwhelmed trying to sort this all out and trying to figure out which is which. So what is a theocracy? What does autocracy mean? Who are the oligarchs? You know, this kind of stuff. Let me simplify it tremendously. There are two buckets that all these words fall into when it comes to describing forms of government or governance. The first bucket is the one that historically has been the case, shall we say, with governments all over the world for most of what we refer to as human history, which is basically the last 7,000 years. We've been around here 300,000 years, but we've only got about 7,000 years of written history. And in most of those governments, it was autocracy, an autocrat running things, or a group of people running an autocracy. An autocracy is where the will of the people is irrelevant. One form of autocracy is theocracy. You've got priests and mullahs saying, I alone know what God has to say, or I can interpret the scripture, and therefore that should be the law. And we have a large contingent of theocrats in America, people who want to ban everything from abortion to being gay based on the Bible. So that's one bucket, autocracy. And also in that autocracy bucket, you will find the people who advocate for oligarchy, which is ruled by the rich. And that would include the U.S. Supreme Court saying that when rich people own politicians, that's just free speech. And you can't have laws to protect the average voter, stuff like that. And then on the left, or on the other, in the other bucket, let me say, it's really not on the left. I mean, I, arguably all that stuff is hardcore right wing. Even communism, which is ruled by a small number of bureaucrats who say that they know what's best for the, for the country. This is also, you know, a right wing form of governance, even though communism is typically characterized as left wing.
but it's, it's all about authoritarian autocracy. And then the other bucket is democracy. Democracy is where the will of the majority of the people is what gets enacted into law and is how the country is run. From the founding of our republic up until 1965, I would argue that we were an autocracy, white supremacist autocracy, because prior to 1920, women weren't voting, post-1920, African Americans weren't voting, right up until 1965, and of course, there's still large swaths of America that Republicans are doing everything they can to prevent from voting, principally African Americans, Hispanic people, young people, old people. But the bottom line is that's autocracy. Democracy is now being fully embraced, or largely embraced anyway, by the Democratic Party, or at least by most of the Democratic Party. And autocracy, oligarchy, you know, brutal rule, has been embraced by the Republican Party. That's fairly unique. We have one political party that does not believe in democracy, the Republicans. In fact, they have changed the laws in 17 states to say that uh, Republican partisan officials can just choose to ignore the outcome of elections when it comes to the presidential race. And presumably other races because they can decide who, whose votes get counted and whose votes don't, don't get counted and they can legally purge people from voting rolls based on whatever they want to do. I mean, this is the, the gist of the Supreme Court ruling two weeks ago. This, by the way, is not something that just happened last week or even in the last five years. This started in 1968 when Richard Nixon, who had been our vice president from 52 to 1960, you know, or the elections of 52 to 60, he lost in 1960 in his bid to take on Jack Kennedy. And so he came back in 68 and his his appeal was an autocratic appeal, an appeal to the white supremacists, the so-called Southern strategy and his war on drugs and his law and order. These are all catchphrases that are, that are basically dog whistles to white supremacists across the country. And there's a lot of them. Or white people who are just afraid of people who don't look like them. And then you've got the alliance that the Reagan-Bush administration made with the theocrats, you know, with, with the Jerry Falwells of the world and the, and, the, and the Pat Robertsons. These TV preachers, they made them into multimillionaires. Pat Robertson's a billionaire. And they got very, very rich by getting in bed with the Republican Party. And there's, there's this symbiosis. And now you have hard-right Catholics also getting in bed with the Republican Party, largely around abortion. And really, all this came out of the Powell memo in 1971. And then Nixon put Powell on the Supreme Court in 72. And Powell actually authored the decision, First National Bank versus Bellotti in 78, that said that when corporations own politicians, that's just free speech. And it can't and shouldn't be abridged. So the battle that we are facing is what Thomas Paine said. He said, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will now, no doubt, shrink from the service of their country. But tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Do you think we're going to conquer it this time? This is the Tom Hartman Program. And if so, what's it going to take? And 
on the line with us is uh, Rachel Bittekoffer, the founder of StrikePack.com, contributor to the cycle on Substack, a pod host of the Election Whisperer, her Twitter handle, at StrikePack, P-A-C, or at Rachel Bittekoffer, uh, R-A-C-H-E-L-B-I-T-E-C-O-F-E-R. Rachel, welcome back to the program. I, I saw your tweet about uh, Ron DeSantis and his uh, death cult. In fact, the hashtag death Santis, uh, all one word. Tell me about this, uh, well, what you actually wrote is, I wonder if Ron death Santis will be laughing when Strike Pack puts him on public trial for killing thousands of Floridians via cruel ind- indifference and copious greed. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is something that drove me absolutely nuts in 2020, that the Democrats didn't turn the entire cycle on a referendum on not just Trump, but the entire Republican Party, and particularly its callous, cruel indifference towards COVID. Uh, We saw many of the red states reopen only as the pandemics were hitting their states. I mean, it was a very beginning of the first surge when Georgia and Florida Texas, um, you know, just reopened in the face of science. So it would have been, um, to me, smart to prosecute them for that, uh, to make it very clear that these are a set of, of decisions that were made. It's not some fate that the country was always destined to, you know, account for 20 percent of the world's COVID tests. <laughs> in fact, even according to Trump's own metrics, that was um, unlikely. We are a little less than 4 percent of the world's population, and we have 20 percent of the world's COVID deaths. Which is mind-boggling. Right. I mean, when you, when you yeah. think of it. So, are you actually is Strike Pack actually filing a lawsuit against DeSantis, or are you encouraging others? Oh no! I mean, I would strongly. I always think about things like, how, okay, how would I handle this? I mean, to me, I would be livid if I was one of these family members, especially ones who would maybe drink, you know, Fox News Kool Aid. And they were told not to worry about it, right? I mean, Donald Trump himself goes, he gets COVID. Of course he does. and he, But he's lucky. He gets it right when they figure out that there's a treatment that can, you know, sometimes stave off death. And that was right when the um, antiviral, you know, IV antiviral methodology was first discovered. You know, um, in, in terms, he comes back from the hospital and tells everybody, not only did he survive because he's more manly than everybody else, but that they should just not even be afraid of COVID, right? So to me, like, it seems natural that people are going to be looking to hold people responsible in the civil little litigation system. That won't be what Strike Pack does. Strike Pack will be holding and conducting a trial for DeSantis, for Abbott, for Ducey in Arizona, and others like them. Uh, in terms of the electoral context and make sure that voters pass a verdict on their performance um, managing the government. Well, in that context, in that electoral contest, uh, context, I saw an interesting piece. This was published over on Axios uh, this morning. Rural country, rural de- or swing country, excuse me, rural Democrats run from the party. And what they pointed out is that after four years of listening to President Trump, many rural voters are reflexively distrustful of progressive solutions to everything from the pandemic to infrastructure. In a three-minute ad for a Senate campaign, Congressman Tim Ryan of Ohio, who's running for that open Senate seat, uh, Rob Portman is retiring, never says he's a Democrat. Democratic strategists are advising candidates to focus on populist economic policies on labor rights, broadband, climate, and infrastructure, which are all popular in rural areas, as opposed to even saying, I'm a Democrat. Um, What's going on? It seems to me like the Republican Party has been trying really hard 
to be the ones who define the brand of the Democratic Party and that the principal way they're trying to create that brand is through things like defund the police and Black Lives Matter. And basically, you know, in a shout out to the white racist base of the Republican Party and frankly, you know, the, the white racists who are typically voting Democratic or independents. Yeah, so here's the deal. I mean, it's, it's shocking to me, uh, and it's certainly not candidates' fault. Um, you know, they hire teams and teams tell them how to run. Um, but it's shocking to me, like, how infantile our understanding of how modern election behavior occurs is, given the, the rich uh, breadth and depth of political science research, which would say, okay, look, we're looking at Ohio. Um, we have these long-term realignments going on in our electorate with non-college-educated whites, especially moving to the right, college-educated whites moving to the left. Uh, when you look at a rural area, it, it looks like geography, but increasingly it's race and education that's going to divide that segment up. And so the idea that you can come in, I mean, to me, like it's every loser playbook that's ever been written would tell Tim Ryan, Try to tell people, try not to let people know you're a Democrat, okay? Okay, well, what does that do? It does two things, right? Number one, it's impossible because the Republican Party will indict Tim Ryan for being a Democrat and tie him, regardless of his real positions, to defund police and socialism and all of that. Right. Uh, so you can't escape it. Number two, even if you could, what does it tell to these, these few swing voters that are out there? Okay, your opponent's message is, don't vote for this guy. He sucks. His party sucks. And your message is, oh, I'm not one of those people. Right. And then you're reaffirming all of the branding and negative associations that people have about the Democratic Party. And it's just literally like, you know, you can ask all these blue dog Democrats that got wiped out in 2014 how good that works for them. So it, it sounds like what the solution that you're proposing and you 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 know, you're one of the smartest observers of this. I know the, the solution that you're proposing, uh, Rachel Bittacoffer, is that Democrats proudly say, I'm a Democrat, and then go on to define what that means. I'm in support of labor unions and, and, and uh, higher minimum wage. I'm in support of everybody having access to affordable health care. I'm in favor of eliminating student debt, giving everybody access to education. I'm in favor of rebuilding America's infrastructure and doing it in a way that reduces our reliance on foreign fossil fuels, where we're shipping you know, millions of dollars to, to, uh, to the Saudis every year. You know, without mentioning the American fossil fuel billionaires that are getting rich. But basically, I mean, is that it? Is that what, uh, not to pick on Tim Ryan, but basically what he should be doing with his ad? Again, I mean, the candidate is going to do what he's advised to do, right? And what I am telling him, if he hears this ever, is that you're getting bad advice. It's not, it's not a campaign strategy that has produced a lot of winners when it's been deployed uh, more traditionally in the, in the polarized era. It's Democrats still holding on to this old notion of voter behavior, right? Um, so what I would say is this. I mean, with, with, you're absolutely right about painting an affirmative brand for yourself. But that's not enough. I mean, as Joe, I mean, I hope Joe Biden's team understands it's good that they're credit claiming. It's good that they're making connections with these um, child tax credit checks and people's bank accounts. And those things are all important and need to be done. But what really matters is the contrast, right? So if Tim Ryan wants to win Ohio, he needs to make the um, race a referendum on Republicans, Republican government, um, you know, the party of Trump who wants to reinstall this guy who's not only incompetent and um, you know, ideological and, and, and indifferent to human suffering. He is also, you know, interested in, in ending democracy, right? I mean, he tried to end it on his way out the door. He intends to 
do things that are anti-democratic if he ever reestablishes power. And Tim Ryan is going to tell voters, oh, it's about this issue or that issue, when the other side is telling their voters this is about life or death, the survival of the republic. You know, this is us versus them. So it's really important that along with that positive branding, you, you are branding the opponent and making it an unpalatable choice to voters who have to who, who do have a choice, which is only about 10 percent of the electorate. Um, and then for the ones who are making the most important choice in this midterm, which is not necessarily vote choice, it's turnout. If that 2018 electorate shows up, the Republicans are going to have a hard day. But if they if people choose not to show up because they're fat and happy and they're not told, hey, the Republican Party is coming to take this away from you, it could have disastrous um, complications. So for Democrats who are are organizing and running campaigns, given these uh, basically two pieces that should be a part of their campaign, number one, running on the actual positive things that they are doing, have done and fully intend to do on behalf of the American people, and then two, branding and and uh, uh, labeling the Republican Party or painting the Republican Party as, you know, shills for oligarchs and crazy people and autocrats and, and uh, you know, the destruction of the American way of life. Which has primacy? Which, which should they focus on the most? Now, they must do both. I mean, some of it's going to depend, right? Um, you know, Tim Ryan's race in Ohio because of realignment, urbanicity, college education, and racial compositions, is that bottom tier of the Midwest, where Minnesota is the highest educated state, and I knew it would be very robustly Biden or Dem nominee in 2020 because of that. And you kind of go down in the Midwest. Well, Ohio has moved away from Democrats. It is, you know, if I was to PVI it, like you would in the House, I would say probably R plus five at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So what he has is a little bit, um, so that's why his strategist is telling him, well, this state is trending Republican, so don't let people know you're a Democrat. That that would be one thing in, in maybe a presidential cycle, and, and still I would argue against that strategy. But here in the midterm, Tim Ryan's um, hopes and dreams are going to rise on turnout and interest from the Democrats coalition, which isn't just base Democrats. It's you know African Americans, it's college educated women, it's women in general, it's young people, it's Latinos, it's uh, urban turnout in Cleveland and Columbus and all these places. So if you're running this old school strategy that's built on a playbook that doesn't exist anymore, you're going to be in trouble. Right. So don't don't listen to your damn consultants. I get it. Rachel Bittekoffer, the uh, founder of Strike Pack, a contributor to the Cycle on Substack, and a pod host with the Election Whisperer. Uh, her podcast, StrikePack.com. Rachel Bittekoffer on and at StrikePack on Twitter. Rachel, thanks a lot for dropping by. Great talking with you. Always fun, Tom. Thank you. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It's talk media for the sane among us. Yes, there are still a few of us left. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs 
and made in local micro-kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Speaking of authoritarians and what they love to do, it looks like Saudi Arabia has been spying on everybody associated with Jamal Khashoggi. But it's not just Saudi Arabia. The Guardian and 16 other media organizations obtained a list of 50,000 phone numbers that have uh, people's phones that have been infected with a virus or malware or whatever you want to call it, spyware, made by an Israeli company called the NSO Group. It used to be that you had to click on a link in a, in a, uh, a text message on your browser on your phone or a link in your email on your phone in order to have the malware installed. This new software, they can simply target your phone and you, don't, you just have no idea. You never even know. And boom, they can turn the camera on, they can turn the microphone on anytime they want. They can read everything on your phone. They read all your inbound email. They read all your outbound email. They can see every file you've ever saved, every website you've ever visited, everything. That's this malware. The phone numbers that were selected span more than 45 countries across four continents. Morocco and the United Arab Emirates had more than 10,000 of those 50,000 numbers. 15,000 of them were in Mexico, where they seem to be going after human rights activists. Azerbaijan, Bahrain, Kazakhstan, Saudi Arabia, Hungary. I you know, was talking about Hungary last week. Um, India and the United Arab Emirates are the, are the principal customers for this stuff. And uh, it, quoting from The Guardian, The Guardian and its media partners will be revealing the identities of the people in coming days. They include hundreds of business executives, religious figures, academics, NGO employees, union officials, and government officials, including cabinet ministers, presidents, and prime ministers. All the close members of one of the ruling families, uh, I'm guessing that's UAE or Saudi Arabia. We don't know. We probably will know in coming weeks. More than 180 journalists, including people who work for the Financial Times, CNN, the New York Times, France 24, The Economist, the Associated Press, and Reuters. This is what autocrats do. This is autocracy. Meanwhile, are we pushing back? Are we trying to deal with our own autocrats like the Trump administration? Well, it turns out Wilbur Ross lied to Congress and the inspector general for the Commerce Department said to the DOJ, you guys should prosecute him. 
Merrick Garland says, nah, we'll just let him get away with it. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Seriously. And the more these guys get away with this, the more they're going to try. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Israel in Chandler, Arizona. Hey, Israel, what's on your mind today? Uh, Just a small disagreement with you. It doesn't usually happen. But earlier today, you said um, that they have capitalism in China. And I beg to differ. They have a what they do is mimic capitalism. What, What they've done is formed a grand bargain with the people, say, in exchange for your civil rights and civil liberties, we'll give you capitalism. Make as much money as you want. We control the state. And I think the reason why that's important, it may seem like a minor argument about what China, capital, Chinese capitalism may look like. But what I think, why I think is important is because that's exactly what's happening here. The oligarchy is telling us we can have capitalism in exchange for our civil rights and our civil liberties. And that's what we're giving away. And it's a bucket I think, of flop. I, I, I absolutely understand what you're saying, Israel. And I think that you're making a good point. I would add some nuance to it. I would suggest to you that in the in the center of this argument is laissez-faire capitalism, you know, the, the old French description of capitalism that operates relatively independently of any kind of regulation and uh, uh, on this by the state. Um, you typically only see laissez-faire capitalism in failed states. Then, then on, yeah. on the American side and on the European side, you have heavily regulated capitalism, where capitalism is regulated in a way that it, it diminishes the harms it does to society and increases the benefits to society of capitalism. And I would say in the, in the United States, we're, we're more on the laissez-faire <laughs> side of that, but you know, well, it's, we're not yeah. doing a good job. But, but what, what China is doing is state-run capitalism as opposed to state-regulated capitalism. You're absolutely right. But, you know, there's all these private companies in China, but most of them have anywhere up to half, and in some cases more, ownership by the, by the state, by the nation. Exactly. Or, exactly. They're, or they are so heavily regulated by the state that they eff- effectively become agents of the state. And, exactly. and, and when you see this with the Chinese uh, social media companies, you know, their equivalent of Twitter and their equivalent of Facebook. Um, you know, they're private companies. In fact, they've made billionaires in China. And yet the government tells them what to do and what not to do when it has to do with the government's interest. Whereas, you know, here we're still having a debate about whether the government should regulate speech on Facebook. Uh, and, and I think that's just, you know, thinking, tinkering around the edges yeah. rather than getting at the fundamentals of what's the relationship between governance and capitalism or any economic system. Well, yeah, I, I, would, I would take that even a step further, Israel, and I would say that the big question is how do governments most effectively regulate capitalism in order to maximize the benefits of it? We have to acknowledge capitalism does have some benefits. It has, you know, built the world in some ways while minimizing the, 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 the harms that capitalism causes, which is everything from imperialism to you know, uh, out of control extractive industries, to the exploitation of workers, um, you know, to, the, to the selling and production of products that are defective or even deadly. And I don't hear any conversation yeah. about that question. <laughs> All right. Does that make sense? 
Uh, uh, well, it, it does make sense, but I, you know, I, I still think that that what media tells us just causes us to look at things around the edges rather than the fundamentals. I agree. Of, you know, I agree, and, and, that's, and the, that's a problem. Yeah, I completely agree, and that's why I think the conversation about the harms of unregulated capitalism is the key to this whole thing. And I'm not hearing that conversation anywhere in the corporate media. Robin in Kingston, Washington. Hey, Robin, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tommy. I want to tell a little brief story that uh, that happened on um, Saturday uh, in support of a point I made last week, which finally, after all these years, the left, we and the Democrats have a strong wedge issue with which we can either split the Republican Party or really, really get the people in the middle go our way. And that is that we can make the point that um, Republicans don't want people to vote, period. I mean, that's simple, okay? And here's what happened is I, I'm signed up to about everything in the world. So there was a um, HR1 vigil, candlelight vigil, Saturday in North Seattle, and I attended with a huge banner that I have, which is Save Democracy Vote. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a big thing is really, really visible. But what I did, and I do this a lot, is I wore a very left-leaning T-shirt. And my T-shirt was, uh, Warfare is by all, why not try health care by all? Okay? Mm-hmm. So I did, that, I did that to try to just get a read of the crowd. And, Tom, I will tell you, 50% of that crowd were Republicans. How do you know? And it was... Well, because I could tell in the garb, I could tell on on the way some of them talked to me and kind of disagreed with my point of view, and and um, and, and whatever. I just have a sense. But they were there to argue for HR one because HR one, the For the People Act. I'm I'm getting da- almost daily emails from Freedom Works and other right wing organizations calling it the Gag Act, and the Democrats want to shove this oh, down I'm, your throat. And oh, I know what I know what the Republican structure is, Tom. Mm-hmm. I get that. I'm talking about voters. Right. I am not talking about the. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about we have a wedge issue to get, you know, fence sitters or some light Republicans over to us with the fact that hey, wait a minute, Democrats stand for more people voting. I think that that's really. I think it's a really good wedge issue. So it's in some. It's either, I'm not sure that it was in support of Ms. Pitacoffer or whether it was against her. I'm just saying we have a wedge issue, and anybody yeah, who's political leaning you. into this really needs to deal with it. And well, just a little shout-out to something that gray-haired folks can really support if they want. Check this out. It's called Blue Future, and it's an organization that is getting the youth of America to join uh, progressives. So it's it's a very valuable thing. So That's great. And and in uh, uh, in acknowledgement of your position, now here's many Paul Weyrich. Have what I call the goo-goo syndrome. Good government. They want everybody to vote. I don't want everybody to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. That's uh, Paul Weyrich, who was uh, heading up or part of the Reagan campaign in 1980, talking to a group of Christians in a church basement in Texas. And to your point, Robin, that clip and the whole ideology surrounding it, and keep in mind that was 1980, that was 41 years ago, is still the primary animating force or one of the primary animating forces in the Republican Party. More people need to know that.
I, I agree, Tom, and you've been saying this for two decades now, yep. and I get it, but right now, guess what? It's sitting there right on the table for us, so let's yep. get it. There you thank go. Thank you, Tom. Robin, thank you. Yep. Thanks for the enlightening yep. conversation, and keep up your activism. That's fascinating. It's so cool to be able to talk to people who are, you know, all around the country, who are on the ground doing doing really good progressive activism. That's, that, Robin, I salute you. Mike in Lameda, California, listening on KPFK. Hey, Mike, what's up? Your discussion topic sort of gets into questions of what makes democracy work. And one of the things that's essential to it is free exchange of information. And to whatever extent we can manage it, a conscientious and honest exchange of information. In other words, somebody's not outright lying to you. Right. Well, one of the major news, or sorry, communications outlets in this country has no particular compunction that I've seen yet about being honest and accurate in their fair and balanced discourse. And, in fact, one of the major elements of the campaign for death to America exercised on the right has been to avoid uh, masks and vaccinations now that the opposite party is in charge. And one of the uh, more notable characters on one of these uh, outlets has uh, gone out of his way to uh, excoriate the practice of masking and has uh, even called on people who see children wearing masks outdoors to call 911 to report child abuse. Yeah, there was Tucker Carlson about three three or four weeks ago. Yes, I chose not to mention the individual's name, but in well, any event... I think it's event, important to call these people out. Yeah, that's important, too. But this person, in any event, seems to have uh, latched on to a report which was in the Journal of American Medical Association, PEDS edition, which uh, quoted a research letter... Uh, which uh, implied that masking kids uh, raised their CO2 levels to unsafe levels. Well, this study was so bad that uh, one of the first public comments on the piece was by a prof at the Harvard Public uh, Health School who said the piece would be retracted. And anyone I mean, that, that knows just anything the thesis of, of it is silly. It's it's yeah, like masks. It's, it's not like you're breathing into a paper bag. You know, you're not breathing the same air when you inhale after you exhale. It's completely different air. Yes, and it's uh, also a question about why we don't have piles of uh, trick or treaters on every street corner every October 31st if masks are that dangerous to children who just who just passed so, out from lack of oxygen, right? Yes, but in any event, the uh, this study, so-called, was actually just a research letter, which professional journals, you know, they don't only publish uh, large peer-reviewed uh, studies. They also put these little news nuggets. Anyone that's doing a study you know, sends it out to the appropriate journals, which says, hey, guess what we found? And they're not necessarily to be taken in the same right. vein as a published study. Right. It's kind of like a, well, uh, the, the scientific version of a letter to the editor. Right, pretty much. And the uh, the thing they were quoting was done over in Europe by someone who is not even a physiologist or a physician or 
uh, any appropriate uh, sort of a discipline. He's a clinical psychologist who has been fired by his employing university for some strange claims he was making about this is the guy that Tucker Carlson is quoting amazing amazing Mike I've got to run but thank you thank you for sharing that with me I'll have to look it up thank you Uh, it's 22 (laughs) stuff I learned from the from you thank you Uh, we'll be right back Let me just add to this from National Public Radio, quoting a study, researchers at the Becker Friedman Institute for Economics at the University of Chicago took a deep dive, working paper titled Misinformation During the Pandemic, and they looked at viewers of the Hannity Show versus viewers of the Tucker Carlson Tonight Show. And they examined scripts from the shows and studied how differential exposure to the two shows affected behavior and health outcomes. Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson support Trump. Uh, But Carlson warned viewers, basically, you know, Carlson has been all about don't watch, uh, excuse me, don't don't mask. Is this social control, this, this effort to stop this pandemic? Stuff like that. Viewership of Hannity relative to Carlson is associated with approximately 30% more COVID cases by March 14 and 21% more COVID deaths by March 28th. They surveyed uh, 1,045 Fox viewers age 55 and older. In line with the differences in content, they said, we find that Hannity's viewers on average changed their behavior in response to the coronavirus five days later than other Fox News viewers, while Carlson's viewers changed behavior three days earlier than other Fox News viewers. I mean, basically the bottom line, the headline says it all. Study finds more COVID-19 cases among viewers of Fox News host who downplayed pandemic. Maybe we should call this the Murdoch virus or variant instead of the Delta variant. And all just to, to try, a, try to get the stock market to collapse while Joe Biden is president so that they can win elections in 2022. I mean, this is mind boggling. So, Don in Los Angeles. Hey, Don, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Uh, you had mentioned the NSO scandal, the uh, Guardian article. Yeah. And, so it's all uh, over the I front page of the Washington Post today, too. Yeah, well, I didn't read that, but the Guardian article, I don't think, mentioned Israel. This is actually part of a uh, government uh, uh, program they have called Operation Talpiot, T-A-L-I-P-O-T, I think is how it's spelled. And it's a program whereby they will recruit bright people in Israel to get them good, educated in technology, and then seed seed fund them. And it's very tied in with the Mossad and into a global spying operation, which is amazing because uh, they claim to be the biggest biggest uh, democracy in Israel. But apparently, they're not. Their hearts are not in it, and they're promoting these nationalist governments around the world, including some white nationalist governments, you know, what could go wrong there? Yeah. Uh, just, it's, so, it's so insane where they're taking this, and most of the Jewish people of America, their hearts are not at all into this whole trend. Um, they're defending the Enlightenment and the freedom paradigm that we all enjoy, and, and uh, it's a very confusing situation because I don't know what they know, if they know where they're going, but there's great power and their ability to deceive and to... The article, to the best of my knowledge, Don, and I read both the Washington Post piece and the Guardian piece, 
um, does not mention whether the NSO group, which is this Israeli company, um, which actually has UK ownership, uh, substantial UK ownership, um, whether they, you know, whether the government of Israel is using them or not. But I, I think you can safely bet, you know, Netanyahu was just Israel's Donald Trump. And yeah. uh, I think you can safely bet that, that he was up to that. And, and Israel is the, the largest democracy in the Middle East right now. In fact, it's one of the few democracies in that region. But democracies are vulnerable to autocracy. And that's what we're seeing. That's what we've seen here in the United States, that we're seeing a growing movement for autocracy that the Republican Party has embraced. The right wing parties in Israel are embracing it. The right wing parties in France and in Germany and in, and in uh, the United Kingdom are embracing. Even Sweden has a problem with the right wingers embracing autocracy. So, uh, yeah, I get it. Thanks a lot for the call. Lawrence in Marina, California. Hey, Lawrence, what's on your mind today? Okay. Um, recently, I saw on TV a woman at a town hall meeting ranting about not wanting her children indoctrinated with critical race theory in right. school. Yeah, this is the new panic, the new moral panic yeah. that the Republicans are promoting. Right. And earlier I was, I'm watching your show, earlier today on your show, you stated that the Texas legislator was in agreement with removing George Washington from oh, that was That was about a decade ago, yeah. And replacing him with Rush Limbaugh. Right. So As I said, I'm not sure if they pulled that off or not. I remember when they were trying to do it. We, yeah. we covered it fairly heavily on this show. We had a guest on. Oh, okay. Well, the obvious question is: Is that a form of indoctrination? Oh, I think so. I, you know, and this is this is why one of the reasons why all across the country, people are being encouraged. You know, the QAnon people are encouraging people to get on school boards, and it's becoming more and more of a problem. As, as the school boards are, are uh, you know, under assault, under attack. You've got educators who are under attack for teaching, oh, critical race theory, um, when in fact they're just teaching American history. These guys, right. you know, the, the, what's the old saying? Who, you know, whoever controls um, uh, the history, if you control the past, you control the future, right? <laughs> right. And, right. And so if you can rewrite the past to make yourself and your buddies the heroes, then in the future, it's a whole, you know, you, you encounter much less resistance when you try to, to accomplish things that, you know, ultimately yeah. are destructive. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I'm getting at. And, and you know, I, I think they're just really upset with Liz Cheney because, you know, what people don't really get is, is she's pro-business. And, and if you get rid of democracy, you actually get rid of capitalism. Yeah, and she and that really just would just mess up her attempt to to be pro business. Without democracy, you can't have capitalism. Well, uh, tell that to the Chinese. I mean, they're some of the most efficient and effective capitalists in the world. Okay, okay. Well, they're riding off the back of, of what America. See, capitalism created. is an economic system, and it can operate independently. You know, I mean, you had capitalism running in the year 500 in England. I mean, <laughs> with kings and you know, warlords and things, and you still had rich people who were accumulating all kinds of stuff. And and you know, okay, and and I mean, capitalism does not require a democracy at all. Okay. 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 Well, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. So, uh, you know, this is this is we're talking political systems here as opposed to economic systems, and I think that that's a really important distinction. Communism is one that is one of the few that was promoted as both, right? It's both a political oh. system and yeah. an economic system. Capitalism, not so much. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit tomhartman.com for audio and video archives. 
So how do you think this is going to play out? I mean, I'm, I'm watching this, and there's a real battle going on here between oligarchy, essentially, autocracy, and democracy. Richard in Huntsville, Texas. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind? film that I was referring to a few days ago was called Citizens at Last. It was on PBS, and like two-thirds of it is about my aunt. Mm-hmm. And who was, you know, many, uh, um, Eleanor Roosevelt credits my aunt as the person who got her involved into politics, which means a heck of a lot, seeing how her uncle was Teddy and her husband was uh, was uh, Franklin. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I remember that call. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Minnie Fisher Cunningham. I know you're busy, but if you look her up, I think you might be able to use it in some of your future uh, programs. Okay. But uh, I, what I want to say before I hang out, I know you're busy. Um can you imagine these same kind of conversations happening with people today that are pro-Trump against people like you and I that are logical-minded in the late 20s, early 30s in Germany? The same type of conversations. Well, I don't really like the man, but he's making Germany great again. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And oh, in 1937, his- Adolf Hitler was Time Magazine's Man of the Year. He was on the front cover. And... Time Magazine had been doing opinion polling in the, throughout the 20s and the 30s um, in Europe. And they found that in 1937, Adolf Hitler was the single most popular politician in the world. Right. I'm drawn between my natural inclination is to tell these friends, relatives, and neighbors, um, ex-friends, I should say, that they're full of you-know-what and just, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And on the flip side of that is trying to use a little persuasion as in just raw facts, which I have friends tell me, look, Richard, why do you you need patience so you can tell these people, maybe you can plant a seed and have it germinate on down the line instead of saying F off, which, like I said, is my my natural inclination. I'm torn between those two. I know I'm not going to change anybody's minds by by bowing up and and, and dismissing them. However, what I what I've found, Richard, if if I can jump in because we have 20 seconds here, sure. is that Please. among the people that I know, and and particularly among like relatives and and distant friends, old friends on Facebook and stuff like that, um, basically fall into two categories: people who have so come to buy into Trump and Trumpism that literally that is their identity, and they just about cannot have any kind of conversation without going there. And on the other hand, people who are Republicans or even Trump followers, but they're also still very, very connected to their their essential humanity, who they are, you know, their past and all that kind of thing. And that latter category, I stay in touch with those people and I just don't argue politics with them. The former category, there's nothing you can do. I mean, if you say, you know, hey, did you go on vacation last year? Their response is, no, no, Joe Biden wouldn't let me or whatever, right? So those are my two buckets. Richard, I got to run. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. 
head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dan in Oxford, Alabama. Hey, Dan, what's on your mind? The people that simply are refusing to take the COVID-19 vaccinations, about 98% of them are Donald Trump supporters. Yeah. What's happened is that Trump has politicized from the beginning the whole COVID-19 thing. Right. I don't know if the Trump people are saying, well, some of the wildest explanations that I've heard for not taking the vaccination is, well, Jesus will take care of me if I get sick. Right. Yeah. I wonder if they say that when they get a cancer diagnosis or if they say that when they get pneumonia. Uh, I mean, you know, well, I, I it, get it that there's a few sects, you know, that, 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 that are, you know, that, that don't like modern medicine, but they're few and far between, actually. You know, it's a really sad thing. It's like these people are, I don't want to get religious here or anything like that, but those far out religions that take up serpents and all this kind of mm-hmm. thing, you stick your hand in a pile of rattlesnakes, you know, if you get bit, then your faith isn't strong enough. Yeah, or if you uh, die, if you actually, bit, their belief is they can get bit and survive it. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, probably 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 people who get a rattlesnake bite under any circumstances survive it. It's just insanely painful. And so, you know, those preachers are just running on the odds. <laughs> it's, yeah, but, it's the same but, kind of But have you ever tried, oh, Dan, I mean, you're there in Alabama, right, and you got a lot of Trumpers around you. Have you ever tried pointing out to them that Donald Trump and his wife and his son have all been vaccinated? That's a good, very good point, and I, you know, they're they just kind of slough that off. Sean so, Hannity's well, we been vaccinated. Tucker Carlson's been vaccinated. A reporter asked him about it last week, and and he started cackling hysterically, and then he asked her about her sex life. Said, "Yeah, it's a personal question. Tell me the last time you had sex." Really? I mean, that's how that's how you know embarrassed he is about the fact that he's vaccinated. And then he goes on TV telling people not to get vaccinated. Yeah, and you know, the sad part about all of this, Delta variant is making a beeline for those people here in the South that are not vaccinated. Yeah, it's got to be tough. It's got to be very, very tough. Dan, I wish you the very best. Thanks a lot for the call. Gar in Atlanta. Hey, Gar, what's on your mind today? Uh, how you doing, Tom? I've been listening to you forever. Thank you. you always have a good show, always. Thank you. Um, the first thing i like to say is, you remember what Mark Twain said? It's easier to fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. Yes. Yeah, and it's and, true. That's, that's and, the problem and, that we have right now. And, and it's yeah. like, you know, how many of them have to die to figure out that this is a real thing or get sick? I mean, you, we, have, we have millions of people in America with long COVID. Yeah. But the thing I want to talk about is politics. I hear people say, I don't want to get involved in politics. I don't. Mm. You know, politics, I, I don't want no parts of that. I don't, but people don't understand politics is a trillion-dollar industry. We have the largest industry in America, in the United States, and that's the polit- political industry. Yeah. I mean, it's not a million-dollar industry. It's not a billion-dollar industry. It's a trillion-dollar industry. And them politicians, that's why they want to suppress the vote, because they want to stay as close to them trillions as they can. You're right. Because the federal government print the money. 
I mean, everybody in the world wants that dollar or that keystroke dollar, mm. you know, and, and that controls the worldwide economy, and the politicians want to be close to that as they can. The richest counties or the wealthiest counties in America all around D.C. and them lobbyists, K Street. Yeah. I mean, it's a big Well, it's not just the lobbyists. The, if you look at the mansions around D.C., a lot of them are defense contractors as well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Surprise, and surprise. That's what, and that's why they, they want to be close to them trillions. We, we're talking trillions of dollars when you're talking politics. And we as Americans are fooled that uh, politics, oh, it ain't nothing, any, you know. And, and, and I don't know if I can uh, recommend the book to you. Go for it. Is it okay? Yeah. Stephanie Kelton, The Deficit Myth. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of I have the book. I've Stephanie's been, been a guest on this book. show a number of times. Oh, oh, I've been reading this book, and, well, I mean, you have to sit in a quiet place to really absorb about Social Security, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, on how the government basically, she, she put it like this, it basically prints the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's literally, so it also literally through. prints the money. And, and, and what country is not going to take the dollar? Right, right. At least at the moment. See, and this is yeah. this is where you know China is making. I, I think they're probably a decade away from it, but you know they're making a serious effort to get the world to start trading using using the yuan or yuan but, but, but or however. But Tom, you got to understand what backs the dollar now: the military and the police department. Yeah. I mean, and oil. New York. I heard the New York City Police Department. Budget is from six billion to ten billion dollars. Yeah, that's the police budget. What do you think that budget is for? <laughs> and the Chicago budget, two billion. Yeah. Uh, L.A. budget, police budget, two billion. Atlanta's budget, uh, about a billion. <laughs> this is the police budget. What do you think all that money going to the police for? To pack that dollar. Yeah. Well, and it's going to those police uh, to, to, yeah. to buy weaponry from defense contractors. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Gar, and thanks for bringing up Stephanie Kelton. She is brilliant. Uh, she is really good. Modern monetary theory is something that uh, people are starting to take very seriously. And we'll get her back on the program. We'll talk about it one of these days. Sean in uh, Woodstock, Illinois. Hey, Sean, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Um, I'd just like to add another term to one of the two baskets you were talking about uh, earlier in the program, and that's plutocracy, which is government by the wealthy. And I think that's what our country is really moving straight towards, demonstrated by a lot of the things you talked about, like Citizens United and, and Justice Powell and all that. I mean, no senator that I know of is in the middle class. They're all rich mm-hmm. and they're plutocrats. And the Koch brothers, they're plutocrats because they influence the government. They're a shadow government. We need to go back to the principle of one vote, one person, one vote, like one contribution per voter, per race. No corporations can contribute. Their employees have to contribute only. Yeah. No, no corporations. I, I, I am with you, Sean. And, uh, you know, the, the, Broadly, what you're, you're using the word plutocracy. I use the word oligarchy. I think we're saying the same thing. But thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, except that's plutocracy. government by the few. Yeah, yeah, by the oligarchs. But the, the few are always rich. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, that's And, sure. and uh, just like the plutocrats. So I'm going to, after we get off the air, I'm going to edit my article today. One of the cool things about writing over at Substack or at HartmanReport.com is that I can edit these things on the fly. And I will insert the word plutocracy in my list. So thank you for that, Sean. It's great. Now, thank you for putting out that, uh, uh, TomHartman.com. 
Yeah, well, it's at HartmanReport.com, actually, but there's a link to it from TomHartman.com. But great. Sean, thank you. Thank you for the plutocracy word. I appreciate it. Derek in Maumee, Ohio. Hey, Derek, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, messaging Democrats mm-hmm. for the virus. This is what I would do. Donald Trump, we know, took the actual shot. What I would do is three things. I'd have still motion pictures as far as advertisers on TV that says that, no, he didn't take the uh, Clorox shot and say no. No, he didn't take his his favorite, uh, I can't think of that long. Hydroxychloroquine. Yes. He, no, he I didn't got an email that. from him no. yesterday saying hydroxychloroquine works. Honest to God. Yeah. Fundraising email. Right. Okay. And that would be the second picture I would have on the advertising. Then the third picture where I says, and have it pointed to us, no, he took either Pfizer or he took Moderna. Right. And those are the three things that I would show because he took it and he's telling everybody else, don't take it. But how can you do that when you took it? Well, and, and, the, and, and the Republicans are missing a huge chance here. They could be calling this the Trump vaccine. I, I agree with that. Whatever it takes to get it into their arms to yeah. protect us all, because we know that this mutation of that virus for those people that are not taking a shot is going to hurt us all in the long run. Yeah. And this is also why we need to get the world vaccinated. And that's where uh, Angela Merkel, for reasons that I still don't understand, um, uh, is blocking the uh, the trips waivers, the, the waivers on the for the patents. Um, on the virus, on the, on the vaccines, so that these vaccines can be manufactured in like India and China and, and uh, well, low wage, low, you know, poor countries. Several, there's several South American countries where they make vaccines as well. And they could all be making these mRNA vaccines that are so effective. And they are not biological. You don't have to grow a virus to make these vaccines. So they're, they're relatively easy to manufacture and inexpensive. That's correct. And it's from just, all the stuff that we know. Yeah, it's just crazy. Derek, thank you for the call. One other thing. Five Calls app. Apple, your listeners get the Five Calls app. That's the most important thing that you can always get directly to your congress. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It does require all of us to participate. And thank you again. I, I've, I've been hearing from uh, you know uh, our affiliates, radio stations. Uh, people are calling in and saying I'm, I'm I'm helping with the pledge drive or I'm supporting your sponsors um, because of the Tom Hartman program. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Tag, you're it. Get out there, get active. Be good to yourself and others too. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.